Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, uh, depending on where you are. Um, a lot of news today. Um, how much of it's substantial and how much of it uh, has caused a little bit of a pullback in stocks and gold and precious metals and Bitcoin. Does that any of it have any real effect? We'll take a look at a couple of the stories. Uh, the one breaking right now has to do with, um, it looks like Iran has possibly uh, seized one and maybe two British ships, and one of them apparently is headed back towards Iran. Uh, President Trump just came out and uh, said that's what we've heard, but he made no declarative statements other than we've got no actual signed agreement with the UK about taking action in situations like this, but we do have a diplomatic understanding with them that that's exactly what we would do. But I think everybody's just trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. And uh, it's brand new news. It hasn't really affected the markets, all the markets. I would have thought maybe the gold market and precious metals would have uh, gotten stronger on that kind of international chaos, but that did not happen. That pullback continues. So we'll talk a little bit about those things. And um, also an interesting story about the CFTC probe of BitMEX. Uh, Socrates is going to go uh, into that. And also uh, it looks like the uh, president of the New York Fed, Williams, kind of uh, put his foot in it. Uh, yesterday and had, having to explain himself today. We'll talk briefly about that. Then we'll look at the chart, see if there's been any damage done on any of these trends we've been watching. And uh, how are you doing, Socrates? I am doing well. Um, it is a, another great day um, and it is Friday, so that gives us plenty to be uh, happy about. Uh, TGIF, I've got some fun plans for this evening. Going to be going out for sushi and uh, shooting some pool. Those are two of my very favorite things. So I uh, got that to look for. And in the meantime, I uh, got uh, some of my other favorite things, which is uh, looking at some charts and uh, analyzing some fundamentals. So uh, very happy to be here today and excited to dive right in. Okay, that sounds great. Well, um, it's funny because we've been, Socrates and I have been meeting, talking about uh, the webinar next week, and uh, we're talking about uh, sort of the uh, nuances in intermediate and advanced consensio uh, and trying to agree on, you know, how we would approach different things, what you would override consensio with, at the same time, what can we use to complement it? And uh, that gets into a question of fundamental versus technical analysis. And so with all these fundamental things going on today, seemingly fundamental things with the Federal Reserve talking about uh, uh, how likely a cut is going to be and how big it's going to be and why in the world that uh, the head of the biggest of the Fed banks, the New York Fed Bank, and also the uh, because Williams is the head of the New York Fed, that makes him number two behind 
um, Powell and puts him in a very important position. And so apparently yesterday in a talk that he gave, he intimated that um, studies that he had done in a committee at the Fed uh, ha had come to the conclusion that when you are in a, a loosening cycle, when the Fed is thinking about lowering rates, the best time to act is yesterday, not today or tomorrow, and wait for things, evidence to show that things are slowing down to the extent that you need to do that. And the way he put it was interpreted to mean we're definitely going to get a cut, but maybe even a bigger cut than um, people are expecting, which is 25 basis points, uh, meaning that maybe we'd have a 50 basis point cut. There was only about a 45% chance of that happening, according to the traders, right up through the speech. And right after the speech, that number jumped from 45% up to almost 70% that it would be a 50% cut. And so everybody assumed, since this guy knows what he's doing, that there's some reason he would signal that a week before they're actually going to do that, which is unheard of for the Fed. Uh, you know, for Yellen or for Bernanke or for Greenspan or anyone else. So the big question is, what the heck just happened? And there was a big backlash today. Uh, and uh, people assume that the Federal Reserve itself gave uh, him a phone call and said, I think you better straighten this out, which he tried to do today. But everybody was thinking about that and trying to figure out what the heck's going on. That's the type of thing that can pop up at any, any time and possibly move markets. And supposedly that was one of the reasons markets were very volatile today across the board. Who knows? You know, um, the other thing about this uh, trade, this tension in the Straits of Hormuz off of Iran, where a huge percentage, 80% of all the oil in the world flows through this little tiny strait. And uh, therefore, all the trading nations uh, have talked about and are doing so right now in Washington, D.C., about acting collectively against any sort of action by the Iranians in the Straits of Hormuz. And on the day that they are talking about it, Iran goes and seizes, seizes a tanker. And uh, apparently the UK, it's a UK ship, one of them was, the other one's supposedly a Liberian tanker that is actually a UK ship that flies under the Liberian flag. Uh, that second one has, nobody has said, yeah, that's actually true. But just as what uh, Williams did with the Federal Reserve, the Iranians apparently are sticking their thumb in the eye of the West and Asia. The U.S. gets very little oil that comes through the Straits of Hormuz, but Europe and Asia get an enormous amount of theirs. So uh, the question is, why aren't countries uh, uh, acting more aggressively off of this news to the extent the news is true. Did that have something to do with the volatility in the market? Did it not? Who knows? Uh, we had volatility again in the Bitcoin market, in the crypto market today, another big pullback. And right when it looks like it was going to um, 
take another swoon. It was up 500 bucks in a very short period of time, followed by a 30-minute candle. It was down about 400 bucks. And uh, some people are speculating, well, it's because the CFTC apparently now has BitMEX in their sites. And um, I haven't seen the details on it. I read the article on Bloomberg about it, but I think uh, Socrates has a little bit more about that. So all I'm saying is that uh, on any given day, you can come up with a list of fundamentals and they are either going to change the technical picture or they are not. And we'll take a look at the charts to see if there, uh, what seems to be fairly uh, important news really has had any effect on any of the charts that we've been talking about where we uh, have got some very strong trends in place. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to uh, Socrates to uh, give us a little update on that uh, CFTC probe of BitMEX. Absolutely. I will pull that up right now. Um, <clears throat> it's definitely some uh, developments that are uh, kind of the same thing uh, that we've been hearing for a little while and in regards to some different exchanges. Uh, the feds in the United States are starting to um, look at cracking down onto some of these unregulated exchanges that are offering uh, their services to uh, U.S. customers, and they aren't making any sort of effort to abide by the um, Know Your Customer regulations and um, other things that a uh, company like Coinbase is trying to work in the system to um, uh, be a bit of a bridge between uh, fiat currency and crypto, uh, whereas BitMEX is not uh, necessarily doing that at all. They are um, completely anonymous. All that you need is an email uh, to sign up, and um, then you can trade on high leverage uh, using just Bitcoin uh, to deposit and, and uh, withdraw and that's what's used for margin. That's what gets paid out in uh, profit or gets taken away in loss, um, which could, uh, there's a number of reasons why the uh, feds in the United States wouldn't like that setup. Uh, primarily uh, would be um, tax concerns. And then also um, they're not going to be comfortable with any exchange that is only uh, going to let somebody trade um, with only an email address. Uh, so let me go ahead and put on screen share uh, just real quickly. Uh, go through there really isn't a whole a whole lot going on uh, basically it's just bitmex under investigation by the u.s regulator cftc for possible uh, violation of regulations uh, popular cryptocurrency derivatives exchange bitmex is under investigation um, by the cftc uh, to see if the exchange is offering its services in the united states thus violating the laws of the jurisdiction um, so basically if uh, bitmex is not offering uh, their services to united states citizens or anybody inside the united states uh, then the U.S. regulators really don't have any jurisdiction to go after them. If there's um, a little bucket shop in Thailand offering um, trading to um, 
uh, citizens of Thailand, uh, then that's not something that the U.S. regulators are going to be concerned about. What they are going to be concerned about is um, if uh, that is now being um, accessed by U.S. citizens. Uh, so let's go ahead and just take a look at um, the website. If you are to pull it up right now, I don't have my VPN on, uh, so I can show you uh, that we have um, attention important notice that comes right up at the top of the screen. Uh, if you are to access this website um, without any sort of um, IP masking service um, or you are from any of these jurisdictions, if that's where your IP address points to, uh, then this is the attention important notice you're gonna get. In accordance with our terms and services, persons that are located in or a resident of the United States or Canada um, are prohibited from holding positions or entering into contracts on BitMEX. And I always just kind of find it um, funny to see the company that we are in, uh, the, the United States, uh, the land of the free, is in the same sort of category as uh, Cuba, uh, Crimea, Iran, Syria, North Korea, Sudan, I just do find it kind of funny. Uh, who else is being um, restricted from using BitMEX? It's not just the United States, and it is some of these other countries who um, are very uh, oppressive in their regimes for the most part. Uh, so they are making some sort of attempt uh, to say that, hey, look, we're not going to um, accept your business if you're from the United States. Uh, that they're making some sort of attempt to show that they're kind of trying to abide by uh, the regulations um, in the U.S. by not allowing anybody in the U.S. to access the site or hold positions. Um, and this is kind of a new development. About six months ago um, or so, uh, yeah, maybe six, seven months ago, uh, this message would not come up. And as a matter of fact, um, I've traded on, on BitMEX for a while, and as of six months ago, I didn't even use a VPN to trade on BitMEX. Um, I'm in the United States. I would come on, I would log on, and there would never be any issues. I would always be accessing it from a, a US IP address. Um, they might, I, I don't think they even made any sort of um, attempt to say that you are, are prohibited. Uh, maybe there was some fine print in the, in the, um, in the terms of service. I, I don't remember exactly how it was set up at that time, uh, but basically um, something changed uh, um, kind of overnight where uh, I had my account banned uh, because I was accessing it with a, a US IP. Uh, so I woke up one day and had a big notice telling me that I can no longer uh, trade on BitMEX because I am in the US. And uh, basically to uh, my delight, uh, they didn't confiscate my funds. They said that I had a, a week to close out all positions and withdraw, um, which I did. And uh, at that time, uh, they were cracking down seemingly across the board. 
Uh, they that is right around when Tone Vase had his account closed down. Um, that is shortly thereafter, Ugly Old Goat had an account closed down. Um, and a lot of people, uh, basically anybody that I talked to that was from the United States trading on BitMEX without a VPN um, got their accounts shut down over the last six months. So they really have been making some sort of effort to ensure that um, people from these districts aren't trading on the platform. But at the end of the day, it's really a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge sort of situation. Um, they are doing this um, with the expectation that big money traders are going to figure out a way around this or with an expectation that a, a good majority of the people that actively trade on BitMEX from the United States are going to find a way around this. And the reason being is because it's the simplest, it couldn't be easier to find a way around this. Um, essentially, all that they require to set up an account is a um, is a email address. That's like literally it. Uh, all you need is an email address. You, you put in the email address and then you confirm their email and that's it. So you can um, easily get around this by setting up uh, an alias email address that you don't really need or use for anything else. And then uh, setting, going ahead and getting a VPN. Um, so let's uh, just... I don't think I need to log in, but basically all I have to do is come in, I, I hook up my VPN and I get in. Now I've got multiple BitMEX accounts set up. If I get shut down, then I will be um, having an alternative option. Once I realized that they weren't gonna be confiscating my funds, I became fairly comfortable with this little whack-a-mole game that uh, these guys are that we're playing right now with BitMEX, their customers and the United States. Um, regulators. Uh, this is something that I'm not at all recommending anybody else do. I'm just uh, trying to explain this story that, um, yeah, they are um, being probed to see if the exchange is offering a services in the United States, but they're going to have a really hard time proving it as far as I can tell. Um, I, I do think that BitMEX should be able to have the documentation um, that will allow them to get out of this um, basically unscathed. They're going to be able to show all of the accounts that they banned over the last six months that we're accessing from the United States, which there's going to be a lot. Um, and what they're just going to be a little bit probably quiet about is how many accounts immediately re-registered, um, you know, it, uh, after getting banned. Uh, so I don't think that BitMEX is really missing out on revenue and therefore they are kind of in violation, but I think the CFTC is gonna have a really hard time proving that because how are they gonna be able to say that um, I am accessing it from the United States when all the information that BitMEX has is an email address and my VPN uh, IP. How is the CFTC going to be able to point to anything and say that you're in violation? That's my opinion. I, I think that um, BitMEX, they, they're very, very sh um, sharp. They're very savvy. I really love the platform. Uh, this thing is second to none um, in terms of uh, the uh, ability to set different orders, the um, the, the liquidity, the insurance fund that they have, this really is, in my opinion, the hands down best exchange in crypto. And they, uh, Arthur Hayes has built a very good business and he has been very 
smart about how he has been doing it. And I do think that um, what, he, the, the, um, what he has put into place over the last six months to, to, to basically say that you're not allowed to trade here, and then he will. If you go on and sign up um, from the United States, you're instantly going to get banned uh, or, or, you know, you have to get that account closed out. Um, so he is, he will have a lot to show them to say that he is doing his best to abide by the rules. And even if I am accessing it um, kind of against their terms of service, uh, that it's almost hard to say that they're at fault for that. How much is it their responsibility to make sure that there isn't even one person out there who is figuring out a way to skirt their terms of services? Uh, that That is my opinion. So it's uh, kind of a bit of a non-news event for me, but I do think we're going to start to see these more and more and more. And depending on the exchange, we might um, get some different results. Uh, we had one broker shut down um, about six months ago, um, maybe closer to a year ago. We've got Bitfinex coming under investigation. We see now that Binance is halting service to the United States in order to try to set up a separate exchange, a separate entity that only operates within the United States. It's very clear to me that right now um, that there is a crackdown happening from the U.S. regulators in regards to um, exchanges in crypto. And it is still a big question mark in regards to who is going to be able to survive that crackdown. I mentioned that I think BitMEX is going to be able to survive, but that's just my thought. I mean, that, that's just kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but I do think that there will be some that won't survive. Uh, so I do um, want to reiterate how important it is not to have any crypto or money on exchanges that doesn't absolutely have to be there. And if it does absolutely have to be there, then only have as much as you're willing to lose 100% of. Even if the exchange you're op dealing with is completely solvent and is completely an honest, good player, you still might find yourself in a situation where you can't access your funds. Um, I played poker online when the U.S. government outlawed and, and really cracked down on the companies that were offering online poker to U.S. citizens. Poker Stars was completely solvent. They had um, one. To, they had a hundred percent of their deposits in segregated accounts. All of the money was there, and they were ready to give it back to all of their depositors. They were absolutely a very good player in the space. They did everything right. They had the money, and they wanted to give it back. But once the regulators got involved, what happened? It took five. No, it took more than that. Yeah, at least five years for that money to get returned to the players because it had to go through the regulatory process, which we all know in America is is can be a bit ridiculous at times. So long story short, um, even if you're dealing with the best exchange in the game, you need to be extremely cautious right now because if the regulators decide to to crack down and um, confiscate the accounts uh, that these companies have, then it could be years until you get the money back um, if uh, we get anything like what happened with online poker. Uh, so that will end my rant there and I'll go ahead and stop screen share.
anything to add from you, Tyler? No, very interesting. I remember all that stuff about uh, online poker. It really shook up the industry for years to come and still hasn't made a real comeback unless uh, people are dealing with offshore uh, companies. Um, so let's take a look and see if that has had any effect on uh, any of any of these fundamental news stories have any effect on uh, what's going on in uh, in trend land with uh, uh, why don't we start with uh, Bitcoin and uh, see what's going on there. Cool. Sounds good to me. Okay. So. This is getting very, very interesting. And I actually um, did take another uh, stab at a, a, a very small, short position uh, that I just really couldn't pass up on uh, based on the risk reward that I am seeing. And uh, at the end of the day, that's really the number one thing that is most important to me. You've heard me say it before. You'll hear me say it again. Um, risk reward, risk reward, risk reward is all that really matters to me. Um, I, I make the analogy in, in an article that I wrote that uh, if if sales and, and retail business is all about location, 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 then trading is all about risk reward, risk reward, risk reward. I, I couldn't hammer home that point enough. So often when I talk about um, uh, taking a position, it's not because I think that the position is really even going to work out. Uh, by short selling a market that has been this bullish, um, I'm not necessarily like gung-ho, like, oh, this is the time that it's definitely going to turn around. I, I, I need to, to be having short exposure because I'm so certain this thing is going down. That's really not how I think of it. It's more in terms of if I was to go short here, what would my stop loss be? what is a realistic target based on sound technical analysis and therefore what is the risk reward um, i've said many times that uh, three to three to one or a five to one risk reward ratio really doesn't excite me that much um, that's for a lot of people what they go for but that's something that i really only want to take um, on a position there if it's um, in my opinion going to be a, a high probability uh, so really what I want is somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 1, 7 to 1 on a risk reward ratio. Um, if I can find those positions, then it just makes sense to take a stab. And if I'm wrong five times in a row, so be it, um, uh, because I'm going to be managing risk very properly. And uh, if I'm um, kind of trading against the long-term trend, then I'm always going to be betting much smaller. Uh, so the um, risk will be very much um, in control and something that, uh, this, this is just a setup right here where I'm, I'm really liking uh, uh, having a little bit of short exposure. And I was watching this thing like a hawk yesterday to see um, when would be the time to go ahead and uh, potentially enter uh, because this uh, confluence of resistance was um, very uh, much uh, something that I couldn't ignore. Um, 
so take a look at the green nine. We got uh, following a shooting star as the price had pulled up and into my moving averages. Uh, the 50 had flattened out, um, which is why it hasn't crossed yet. It's just incredible how these things will just refuse to cross. They're, they're like um, almost the inverse ends, the, the polar ends of magnets where they, they just will, when they get close, they will just refuse to cross. And that is one of the main reasons why I like them so much. Um, so let's just walk through what I was seeing yesterday. Um, we got reversal candle that um, tried to get above these moving averages, wicked above, closed below. We do get a close above, uh, but it failed to close above the peak of the eight. And um, it was on a nine and we got a bit of a wick on top. Let's go ahead and measure that. Uh, we go like that and compare it to the body. If it's longer than the body, then it would qualify as a reversal wick. Kind of hard to tell. Um, we'll just say that it's um, very, very close. Then we get um, a bit of a doji kind of spinning top action, hanging man. And then boom, right here was where I was um, entering. Uh, basically right here, I, I identified, okay, where's my stop loss going to be? And uh, that is above 10,800. About 10,816 is, I believe, where I put my stop. And uh, that is a very important area, not only on this chart, but also if we zoom out, um, we can see that this 10,800 area has been pretty darn important um, throughout this uh, move. This was a support zone for the Wyckoff pattern that I had drawn, which is where you would want to see a throwback go to after a breakdown. Um, so that is uh, potentially a sell signal based on the Wyckoff pattern right here. Let's take a look at the 12 hour. Um, we would go with Every Wyckoff, I think every Wyckoff will have two um, support lines and two resistance lines. Um, so notice this 10,800 is the first support line in the Wyckoff. And uh, notice how we break down here, find support at the lower support line, and then throw back to retest this one and perfectly resist it. That's excellent. And that's uh, absolutely an entry for um, Wyckoff. And here, what we really wanted to see and what I was calling for um, uh, fairly confidently was basically just a throwback to this uh, support line at 9,800. Right here, that is where I really wanted to see the price roll over and turn down. Um, if it did, it would have just been the ideal setup that, again, I would have um, almost certainly taken a position. Uh, so notice how this was that kind of channel that I was drawing. And uh, when the price fell down here, I drew an arrow. I drew these arrows like kind of um, something. It was like that. And... Then I was expecting 
another big leg down afterwards. Uh, so this almost played out perfectly. Um, and it really looked like it was going to as we were getting these reversal candles on the four hour. Um, everything was looking perfect. And then, boom, you get a, a, like a 12% in run up in a 10 minute candle that was just that's what happens in crypto. Uh, often when you're getting this perfect sort of setup, then you get a lot of people taking that uh, trade and then, boom, everybody gets wiped out. Uh, that just happens time and time and time again. This was a short squeeze. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And this action right in here just to me is not organic. It's manipulative. It is um, it is not at all what I would expect to see based on how everything else played out, um, based on all these reversal candles. Um, that That's just my opinion. Uh, take that for what it is worth, whatever. Um, we always have the backup plan, and that's why we were watching the moving averages. Let's take a look. Uh, yesterday, I mentioned how um, you guys have come to know me for the exponential moving averages, but there is one very specific reason why I prefer um, simple moving averages, and there's a very specific time when I will default to a simple moving average and um, use that as a more important indicator than my exponential moving average. And uh, that is something that I will be sharing for the first time in the upcoming Consensio webinar. And uh, this is a pretty good advertisement for that um, because yesterday I had this 50 MA simple moving average pulled up as the price was on this candle here. So we hadn't gotten up to test it for resistance yet, but I just pulled it up and showed you that, yes, this is a time where I'm actually going to really be paying very close attention to the simple moving average. Um, I didn't, didn't necessarily tell you why, but this is just beautiful. I mean, absolutely played out um, uh, to a T. Couldn't have asked for anything better from the technical analysis gods. So thank you very much. Um, notice just how nicely this thing came in. And as we did close above the 50 MA, which right here, this is actually could be considered a buy signal based on my black and white uh, subconditions for how I trade Consensio falling below um, the, the golden cross over and then getting back above. That is often a very, um, a place where I'm going to be buying. And here I did not. And the main reason is because of how important this simple moving average can be to me. And notice how right when we did close above, um, this simple moving average started taking over and boom, lit it up right here, lit it up here and here and right there. And now, uh, and that just kind of mowed it down until this candle happened here. Um, so that is what I was waiting for in terms of I'm looking, um, I'm seeing a nice stop loss at about 10,816 or so. Um, that looks like a stop loss that if it gets triggered, then I definitely do not want to be short. Now we've got this kind of um, head, uh, inverse head, shoulder, shoulder type of situation. And we have avoided the death cross and now the simple moving average um, would not no longer be in play. Um, so that 10,800 is a stop loss that I really like. And uh, therefore I'm thinking to myself, okay, is what would be an entry that I really like? 
So I have a horizontal sort of support uh, that the price, it was kind of wicking down and getting back up. Um, what I was wanting to see was us back below the 200 MA and then also um, breaking down this area here. So my entry was um, basically right around uh, shade under 10,500. Um, I'm probably um, right, uh, might be, yep, I'm probably a little underwater right now, but that is quite a, all right. I've got my stop loss set and I'm not at all married to the position. I'm just going to uh, let it develop and let's just take a look at the, the risk reward. I explained why I like that stop loss. There's a number of reasons. Um, so let's see what sort of risk that gives us. 3%. And you guys have heard us uh, talking about the um, targets that we have. Uh, mine is uh, 75 is where I would be looking specifically if we get this death cross. It hasn't happened yet. If it does, then I will be looking at 7,500. Um, and that is where I would be targeting. Um, primarily, I'd be looking uh, if if the short does go in my favor, I take partial profit at around um, the, this horizontal. Uh, I'd take partial profit, move stop to break even, and then I'd target 75 with the rest of the position. Um, so right here, it, it looks close to 10 to one. It wouldn't quite be as nice because I would be taking some profit earlier on, um, but this is the type of setup that I really like. Um, it, it's next to a potential uh, death cross in here when the price is pulling up and into these moving averages and they are getting so close to a death cross when that candle came right here it it's reasonable to be confident that that cross is going to follow and it would have if we didn't immediately get some sort of reaction back to the upside uh, so this is an entry that um, all the ducks are, are kind of lining up, telling me that it makes a lot of sense. And then the risk reward is what tells me to go ahead and pull the trigger. And if I get stopped out, then so be it. Uh, I'll be ready to um, go ahead and, and likely enter long. If we do break above 10,800, then I am going to be very interested in uh, longing. But as it stands right now, I am viewing this Wyckoff pattern as um, a pretty textbook dis distribution setup. Everything is very nice until this candle came in here. That was a short squeeze that just some some of these things will happen that will affect the price in a short-term basis. And often it will provide great opportunities. Um, if this isn't organic and it really was just a squeeze and the price really is going to come back down to these areas, uh, then that means that this is probably a pretty good selling opportunity. Um, and that's just my opinion, not um, suggesting that anybody else uh, does the same thing. Uh, so that is uh, my analysis for you there. Uh, anything to add or do you want to bring up your own chart? Uh, uh, let's just stay on this chart for a second because you've got me thinking about a lot of things. Uh, we've been talking uh, a lot about uh, a week from today, we are giving a uh, three-hour advanced and inter intermediate seminar on Constancia. And uh, there's so many ways of looking at these uh, 
consensio rules and, and lines. But I like all of the work that Socrates does on these short-term uh, trades. Um, and looking at it, I, 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 after many, many years, I'm still trying to figure out <clears throat> the essence of consensio. <clears throat> uh, moving averages are pretty simple. They've been around forever and ever, and Wall Street has used the 50 and the 200 day and the 14 day uh, for a very long time. And Wall Street Journal and Barron's and IBD and everybody else almost always shows 200 day moving averages on things. Uh, so it's ubiquitous. Everybody knows them. They understand them. But very few people understand what happens when you put multiple ones together and what new information can be gleaned from it. <clears throat> what I mean by that is it's amazing to me that you can't have a long-term trend unless you've had an intermediate-term trend first. Well, duh, you know. <laughs> Uh, how obvious can anybody be? You cannot have an intermediate term trend until you have a short term trend, but reverse that where you don't know that you're in a long term trend or an intermediate term trend. All you know is you're playing around with the short term trend. And that's what you're looking at here. This is a short term trend. We can see an intermediate term downtrend that started all the way back. Uh, up at that 14,000 level with a lower high and now another lower high and a lower low and another lower low. So that's an intermediate term downtrend. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about this short term trend right here, right now. So think about these moving averages and the length of the trend and ask yourself, what are you trying to do? And if the answer is all I'm trying to do is scalp a short-term trade that could turn into an intermediate-term trade, and Socrates just showed you some targets all the way down to 7,500, which would continue the intermediate-term trade. But ask yourself this question. What happens if the price right now goes up above 10,800? Well, the way I look at it is you're in a short-term uptrend that has just formed an inverse head and shoulders with a neckline at 10,800. And if we get above that, the target is 1,600 points higher and you are no longer in an intermediate term trend. You've just turned a short-term trend that is down, that you want to play on the downside, into an intermediate-term trend that is up. And not only that, you're going to turn all these trend lines around because they're so, clo uh, uh, so close to each other, including the simple moving average. Okay, what does all that mean? That means when you put on a trade like this and you do your risk analysis and your risk-reward, and you come up with a figure, you must also come up with all the other possible short-term things that can happen. Because once you've moved into an intermediate-term trend, all other options at the short-term disappear. Only one of a hundred possible short-term things just happened to get you into the new intermediate-term trend. 
And the one that could happen here is we break down from this point and go to new lows below 9,000. And now you've gone from a short-term trend that was moving up into one that is continuing an intermediate term downtrend, but all the other short-term possibilities are now historically dead. And when you're in an intermediate term trend, if you're playing for a long-term trend to happen, there are a thousand different options for that intermediate term trend only half of which are going to get you into a long-term uptrend. The other half are going to get you into a long-term downtrend. So what happens with taking your time and knowing that the trade you are putting in is short-term and short-term only and doing your risk-reward analysis for that one option? And then if you have to make changes in your risk reward and change your stop losses because another option occurs, you must know that you've got to do it. You can't be married to something that has just wiped out 999 competitors and now is the only one left standing. Because as soon as that happens, a whole new slew of options occur, which is why the idea of short, intermediate, and long-term trends and then for short, intermediate, and long-term moving averages and short and intermediate and long-term time frames on things like Bollinger and Sequential and all these other technical analysis tools are so important to understand. You simply can't rinse and repeat um, on short-term moves going up the ladder. You don't bet on a long-term trend when you're in a short-term move. You don't bet on an intermediate-term move when you're in a short-term position. And so on, all the way up to the very longest term. Now, we had a discussion, we'll have it again today, about gold. Socrates asked me yesterday, at what point do you believe you are talking about a long-term trend in gold? And I had to think about that for a while. And the reason I had to think about it is to me, we're still in an intermediate term move, which means there's a thousand op options open from the point we're at now in gold to either go up or down. Most of them, because of the short and the intermediate term are looking good, we tend to think are way to the side of the long term, but that is not true. There's only one option that is going to work that's going to get you into a long-term trend. We don't know what that is yet. Same thing, same thing with Bitcoin. It took me a long time to say this is uh, really a potential long-term trend upwards in Bitcoin. And that was after I bought it at $6,500, $6,600, dollars going up because it was I didn't have enough information to draw that conclusion. When we ran up to 14,000, I thought, okay, I've got a lot more information because we just took out all kinds of previous intermediate term highs, 7,500, 8,500, 9,400 Fibonacci, 10,100, 11,100, Valley of Death, 12,500, all the way up to 14,000. That was new information that I did not have when I bought down at 6,500. So 
uh, I didn't mean to go off onto that, but Socrates' analysis here is very precise, but you've got to listen very carefully to what he's saying about, yes, I've got to stop right up here above this action, and I will even be very probably going long if that occurs. Well, that's one option. That could happen. But the other option, the one that he has decided to play, is a short-term move down. And at some point in that short-term move down, if everything goes right, he will get more information that could tell him that his intermediate-term target all the way down at 7,500 or 8,000 is more and more probable. So uh, very valuable lessons. I'm sure I didn't articulate it well, but... Uh, Thank you for bringing all that up. No, no, you bring up a, a number of really good points um, and topics to touch on that we will almost certainly need to do um, something more in depth about um, the relationship of short, medium, and long-term trends, uh, because I know that that can be very confusing, um, especially you, you hear that you're you, you want to trade with the trend. You, that's one of the first things you hear when you get into trading is to bet with the trend. Um, but what happens when the, the short and medium term trend are bearish and the long term trend is bullish? What in the world do you do now? Um, and that's something that uh, it, it could take a very long time to try to uncover all of the different intricacies. Um, but uh, just to try to kind of um, provide a little bit of my input in that um, the, the trend that you want to be trading with is due to is determined by the time horizon of your position. So if I'm taking out a day trade and I am all, I'm, there's no way I'm ever going to be holding this position overnight. It's just a day trade. I don't care about the long-term trend. I don't care about the medium-term trend. I care about today's trend and that is it. I don't care about anything else. If I'm a day trader, maybe I'm checking the higher time frames to give me some confidence or, or uh, validation, uh, whatever. Uh, the reality is, is that a day trader can see that the long-term trend is bullish, the medium-term trend is bullish, um, but they're only going to be shorting because the short-term trend is significantly bearish. Um, if you're a swing trader, then what, should matter to you mostly is the short and medium term trend. I am a swing trader. And um, when the short and medium term trend are bearish, then I am mostly interested in being short because the long for those to reverse, it's going to probably take months. And instead of waiting for months for all of the trends to line up, I'm going to be seeing if there's any opportunities available right now. And this is a really good example of this action that took us from down in the mid 3000s all the way up to 13,800. That made the long term trend bullish. In doing so, it made the short and medium term timeframes extremely overbought. Everybody everywhere was telling you that this thing has gone too far too fast and it's just a matter of time before we get a significant correction. Um, so because of that, when this trend did turn long term bullish, I started 
looking for selling opportunities. And I even talked about that back in here, such that to, to turn a long-term trend bullish, that takes a big, big move. And often, as soon as that move occurs, a counter trend correction will follow, which eventually you know, shakes out a lot of people or, or causes them to lose interest or, or whatever it may be. Um, so that's something that can be very, very confusing. If you're trying to listen to us and, and learn from us and you hear me say, that, oh my gosh, the long-term trend has just gone bullish. We just had a weekly close above the Ichimoku cloud. We just broke the monthly parabolic SAR. And now all of a sudden I'm looking to short um, or sell and I'm selling hard back in here. Uh, that can be very confusing if you don't have a very precise understanding of what your time horizon is and therefore which trends should be the most important to you. Um, so again, that is... Um, something that we should probably go into in depth um, at a later date because that's a very, very important topic and one that a lot of people um, haven't done a, a very good job of, of covering. Uh, so to sum up that rant, I just um, noticed a pattern that I um, was wanting to cover and that is this new bearish channel that we do have developing. Um, what we will see is that uh, this is a parallel channel connecting the lower high um, and uh, the peak on the last week of June, and then this lower low to the lower low right here. Um, so this to me is absolutely a pretty textbook medium term bear trend. We've got a lower high and we've got a lower low. Those two things signal a bear trend, but not on a long-term basis, because if we zoom out to the weekly, we have a lot of room left to go to still make a higher low. And um, just take a look at that. So uh, that gives you an idea where the weekly, that this, this is higher high, higher high, higher high, higher low, higher low, higher low. So this is bull trend weekly. Zoom into the four hour, which is my medium term trend, uh, and this is bear trend. Uh, so for the next month, I've got a preference to sell. And that could change in the blink of an eye if we avoid this death cross. If this thing doesn't come in and we get back above 10,800, then I am um, going to be going long. The only way that my short gets stopped out and I don't enter long exposure is if this is on a wick. If we get like some sort of wick up here and it immediately comes back down, then that would wipe me out of my short and I wouldn't be long. If we come up here and we spend a day up here above 10,800, then that would be enough time for me to seriously start um, considering um, looking for a long exposure. Uh, so that is um, maybe a little bit more than anybody wanted to hear, but I think uh, very important stuff. And while I got the mic, I will do uh, just one more thing here um, to show why I don't really like um, pitchforks necessarily, but I will check them and use them. Um, and, and right here is a good example that this point right here, the anchor, it should connect to a significant point on the chart. According to um, how pitchforks are supposed to be drawn, this is completely absurd because this anchor point is just here out in the middle of nowhere. But for me, it makes sense because it still gives us this parallel channel 
Um, so that's generally why I just stick to parallel channels is because this anchor point generally gives me problems finding a significant point to attach it to and still keeping this parallel channel intact. Um, that, that's where I usually have some issues. But what I do like to use it for is if I have a parallel channel drawn and it seems as though we are resisting before getting back to the top of it, then I like to throw on the pitchfork to see where is that median uh, line and is that potentially where we are resisting. And that is kind of what I'm seeing here. Um, and why I, I don't think that this inverse head and shoulders is going to confirm is due to those moving averages as well as the median on this pitchfork, even though it's not necessarily drawn how it should be. It's still clearly a parallel channel. And if you draw a parallel channel, where is the exact middle of it? Well, it's right here. Um, and that is where we see that it looks like we could be finding some resistance from. Uh, so this is definitely something that I will be continuing to watch closely. Uh, there's just a, a, a number of indicators saying that there's big resistance at 10,800. And if we do get through there, then uh, everything changes. That's, that's great stuff. And uh, I know this is a lot more in the weeds than uh, most people expect, but I know there's a lot of people listening that uh, are uh, fascinated by it. And we are definitely going to go deep into the weeds on Consensio uh, next Friday. This kind of analysis where we're not just talking about what moving averages we use and the obvious things about when you buy and sell them, but what do they really mean and uh, what can complement them and when do you override them and when do you change from exponential to simple? And uh, how do you match up your time frames with the pattern that you're looking at? Um, so uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that. That's that's great stuff. Excellent. Anything um, on uh, the alts you want to pull up quick and then we'll take a quick look at uh, gold, which got uh, hammered today. Well, there's plenty to talk about with the alts, but we are uh, getting close to the top of the hour. So we'll just go ahead and skip that and go over to some traditional markets. Um, as we were recording, I did have an alert go off. Um, we did just have <clears throat> the weekly close and a lot of my alerts will be based on weekly closes. Um, so just something, uh, nothing uh, necessarily too important, but something maybe to keep in mind. Uh, is the uh, real estate sector did just have a weekly close below my trend line that I've been keeping an eye on and uh, am going to be paying attention uh, just to the real estate sector to help me understand um, what's going on from a macroeconomic perspective. I'm not necessarily going to be I'm looking to trade this chart, uh, but I do want to know um, what's going on. And we do kind of see uh, that there is this trend line that is um, potentially uh, could still be intact depending on how you want to draw it. Uh, so it could be something to uh, adjust and keep an eye on. Uh, but uh, what I find interesting here is we do have this lower high right here. And as soon as we get something like that, I like to go ahead and draw in a bearish trend line 
And then I will also kind of start to get an idea for what a bare channel might look like. And uh, this is kind of what I would be keeping my eye on to see. If this does break down, then this probably would be a, a good area for support. And if it is, then uh, I would watch for this to act as resistance. Uh, real estate breaking down could have some very significant uh, macroeconomic implications. Um, and again, uh, I always like to just kind of even draw trend lines as a zone, kind of how Tyler will draw the horizontals as zones. Same thing can be done for trend lines, specifically when there's wicks that seem to be lining up and closes that seem to be lining up. Uh, so potentially waiting for this bottom trend line to break down would be a, a good idea. Let's go ahead and take a look at uh, gold. Um, yesterday we had a great action uh, and I was very excited because I had bought it and price quickly moved in my favor. That is always what you like to see when you are trading and um, got a great tweet yesterday uh, when the price was up in here. Somebody asking me, is it too early to move the stop to break even? Perfect question to be asking. Um, I think I even retweeted and said that anybody who bought this breakout, this is the only thing that you should be thinking about. As the price is rallying, the only thing you should care about is when am I going to get my stop to break even? When am I going to be able to take some profit? When am I going to be able to get out of this position? Uh, not opposed to what most people are thinking of, oh my gosh, finally I got a position that's going in my favor. Uh, I should have bet three times as big. I, I really wish I had more exposure. Uh, you know, the, That's what most people are kind of thinking along those lines. We want to be the type who, okay, position's moving in my favor. Can I put this stop loss to break even? It just ran up from 1420 to 1445. Can I put my stop loss to break even? Can I maybe take a little bit of profit here um, and get my stop loss to break even to ensure a profitable trade. That's what I was thinking about um, right in here. Um, and I decided that, you know, I can't take profit because my first target is 1480. We're pretty close to that. I've got very good reason to believe that we will get there. Um, so I need to be patient. It's a very uh, careful balance of not taking profit too soon, um, but also um, not, not waiting too long. So I, I didn't take profit. Um, I was waiting for my original target and I'm very glad I did that because that was the plan. And if I did sell here, that would um, not be good execution as far as I'm concerned, even though it looks like that would have been the thing to do now. Uh, so my response to him was that I think it is too early to move this to break even in the event of a quick throwback to retest prior resistance for support. Uh, my entry was right around in here. And uh, therefore, I thought that it would be very reasonable to throw back and retest any of these kind of horizontals. And therefore, I said that, nope, it is a little bit too early to move the stop to break even um, based on my opinion. And, uh, but I am comfortable minimizing risk by moving my stop to 1413. Um, originally, it was 1397. And 
Um, I did move it up to 1413 last night, and that's based on the four-hour chart. Um, if we did throw back um, to retest prior resistance for support, then I needed it to find support above this swing low here. And that's what I am seeing. So by moving it up, I have greatly minimized the risk, but I still haven't got it to break even because I still think that there's some time for this to develop and for the trade to play out in my favor. So did move it uh, to right under here um, based on the four hour chart about 1413. And uh, that is also based on this pattern uh, that we see. It's a lot, uh, it's getting awful messy now with all these extra lines I'm drawing, but this ascending triangle, um, if we do break out and then retrace back into the middle of the trading range from the pattern, then that is a high probability of a fake breakout and or a bull trap. Uh, so the ascending triangle tells me to start with uh, the stop loss under the daily, uh, the, the breakout candle, which the breakout candle could be this one right here it closed had the highest close above and i think this one did confirm the pattern so this was my original stop loss and then uh, i did move it up after this action here we've got another breakout candle that has the low at the basically the middle of the pattern and is also in line with that swing low on the four hour chart uh, so a retrace back below 1413 tells me that um, i need to be out and therefore um, i'm going ahead and looking to tighten my stop loss to decrease um, the risk that i have on that position terrific that's great um let me just pull up a chart for a sec yep And then we will take a quick look at the stock market and let everybody go home for the weekend. Okay, here is uh, the weekly gold chart. And on the weekly gold chart, um, we really I'm going to go here and here. This is the XAU USD. Um, the thing that we talked about yesterday is we've got a bunch of eights for this week that will become nines very quickly. And, uh, we had a big day at one point, a big week at one point, and uh, then it's collapsed back down right basically to the breakout point. So this nine is going to be very interesting, uh, but we're not going to know much about it until we get the futures late on Sunday night, um, if it's going to start way down here or something else. So that that's number one. I always like to start with uh, some distance in terms of the length of the periods I'm looking at. Um, we've got 
almost an engulfing candle to the downside. You do with the wicks, but not with the body. The bottom's lower, but I think this high on the two is a little bit higher. But in any case, we're only on a green three. So, and we've come right back down to the support of where the breakout took place. So there's plenty of room on the daily, but the weekly is looking a little bit funky. So how about on the other side of it? The other side of it is the monthly. And on the monthly, uh, it looks great. Uh, you've got a green two above a green one. And, uh, uh, there's plenty of room to the upside and also all of the moving averages are looking great. So uh, I conclude from this that uh, we could get two or three days at the beginning of next week with some weakness. And the question is how, how weak is it going to get? And uh, how important is that going to be? Was this really a bull trap? And if so, what and when are you going to do something about it? That's always what you've got to think about um, when you're putting on positions, and particularly if they're sizable positions relative to the total assets that you're talking about. And when you put 10% in any one industry or any sub-industry like precious metals, that is a big bet relative to an entire portfolio where the other 90% is in other things like stocks. So um, it's going to be a long weekend because of this action today. It seems funny that we would get a big negative reaction with the news out of Iran. You would have assumed it would have gone the other way. The silver did the exact same thing, started out the day. This is a daily chart just booming back up that gave us another two days for going up. But instead of that, it just petered out at the end of the day and closed down to the sixth candle. But notice that even on the daily chart, my short-term moving average is right in the middle of all the price action. The intermediate term is well below down at the 1564, 1570 level. And we closed at 1620 approximately. And the long term is looking great, as are the stop and reverse points and the longer term stuff. So now, after looking at monthly and weekly and daily, I'll have a much better weekend. Uh, and then just wait until Monday morning to see if any steps need to be taken and uh, what we need to do. I also like the fact, and we talked about it yesterday, that we did take up the setup trend on this six candle. And so that is gone now, and uh, there's not much up here, and there's quite a bit down here, and that's what I like uh, when I'm making intermediate and long-term kind of trading decisions. Anything on uh, these gold or silver charts, Socrates? Just a question for you. How much of the price action today do you think is due to the announcements coming out of the Fed? Um. It's really counterintuitive because uh, uh, the Fed cutting is going to be weak for the dollar and should be strong for gold. So that didn't happen. So um, the Fed announcement or the Fed slip yesterday that it could be 50 basis points instead of 25 basis points could be interpreted the opposite way, which is 
that um, things are a lot weaker than the Fed has let on. And when things are weaker, that means basically the economy is weaker. And if the economy is weaker, then commodities are weaker. So how much of this action had to do with the Fed? I, I just don't know. It's, I think it's more coincidental than anything else. And it could be read either way. Um, and yeah, great, great input. And I do have uh, one quick chart to share on silver that is um, great. interesting to me. <laughs> okay, let me get off of this one. Okay. And uh, we'll be showing this chart to illustrate how well the uh, moving averages and trend lines work together and why I love them so much and use them as my primary uh, trading tool. Uh, so remember a few days back, I mentioned that it was a little too early to be um, too overly excited about silver because um, it was still forming this sort of uh, descending triangle type of thing with uh, lower highs, definitely in this bear trend line here. Uh, potentially could see it as a channel here, something like that. Maybe it's a little bit of a falling pattern. Don't really see it that way. Uh, so I was saying that it's a little too early to be excited about silver and to wait and see what happened kind of around that trend line. And let's look at what happened. Um, just as it broke out, um, many people are viewing that as a buy signal. People that use just trend lines and they don't um, complement with moving averages. This looks like a clean breakout. We've got a higher low, we've got a higher high, and this just smashed through this trend line, closed way above. Like it, it looks like, um, this thing is ready to go off to the races. Uh, moving averages say not so fast. Uh, we are still in a bear market. The 200 is trending down sharply. Uh, the 50 has got a wide spread telling us that it's a strong trend. And when that's the case, I view retests of the 200 as selling opportunities. Um, and when the price does continue going above, I continually say that that this will act as as a magnet, that the price will be attracted to the shorter term moving average as long as it's below the longer term moving average. So even if you sold here, um, this is still uh, a place that you could be adding um, specifically after the, the high is in because it's going to be really, really hard for the price to get too far above here without the moving averages getting a golden cross. Um, so right here on this trend line breakout, uh, it could be a very attractive long. And I, I was interested. I was talking about how the, the gold-silver ratio now is, is pulling back in the favor of silver, uh, such that now it might be appealing to long silver over gold. Um, so I'm looking at this trend line, looking at it break, and thinking, man, this could be a time to enter um, and that's when I want to defer to my long-term moving averages. And these um, uh, did a, just a perfect job of catching this top 
look at price um, kind of wick right up to there and that is where it has pulling back from and now that you get that action you might be wondering if the trend line can be adjusted at all and sure enough um, we could go ahead and look at not a attaching it to this point here and instead using uh, the wick up over here. And now that paints a pretty darn interesting picture where we resisted the 200 MA cleanly and we pulled back and the close could potentially even be back under this trend line. Um, so yes, it is true that trend lines um, will often need to be adjusted. Um, but that is not near enough reason for me to think that they lose all validity or shouldn't be a very important indicator for me. Um, trend lines breaking are a clear cut sign of a change in the tide, a change in the trend. Um, but if I am wanting to try to protect myself against um, these false signals that may occur when the trend line potentially could be adjusted later, the moving averages are a tremendous way to help me um, a not get trapped in on when a trend line breaks, but the, the trend is still firmly in that same direction. And then B also to help me to um, be able to um, kind of adjust trend lines in, in hindsight um, very, very quickly though. Like as soon as we get this point, we can look at adjusting this trend line a couple different ways and the moving average is going to be um, the, the primary tool that, that allows us to um, stay out of the position um, when it's too early and then also help us to see potentially other areas where it could be adjusted. So um, definitely an interesting, a very interesting chart and we'll be paying very close attention to see what happens off of this um, wick that we're getting back from the, the 200 EMA. Uh, so still definitely a very different picture than what gold is painting in terms of look at its moving averages. Uh, and the picture that we got where it has a bullish pattern, it's got a trend line breakthrough, right? So now we have a trend line breakthrough and we get a golden cross. You, you guys hear me talk about that's what I want is a trend line breakthrough and a cross of the moving averages. That's exactly what we got here. I was buying, I was telling you guys to pay attention because uh, all these chart patterns along with the moving averages, um, that is ideal. And again, the moving averages complement the trend line and tell us that well, this looks like, man, is this, did this really break? Do we need to adjust this trend line? Um, is this a valid breakthrough? When it's in line with a golden cross, that gives us confidence that yes, this trend line actually did break. Very, very different picture being painted here where it looks like the trend line broke, but we're nowhere close to getting a golden cross. Uh, so I'm inclined to say that absolutely the trend line did not break and therefore it probably needs to be adjusted. And that's what I will be doing is probably using this bottom trend line here moving forward. Excellent. Great. Uh, um, I'm going to quickly just pull up some indexes. And uh, since it's the end of the week, and let's see what we got here. 
we will go right to the biggie, which is the S&P, which was down 18 points today. Uh, this is the daily chart. The daily uh, is on a red three. We've got the stop and reverse points that were just taken out two days ago. The weekly, however, we're on a green six. And um, you see that action on a weekly basis is threatening the short term, but the long term is still, the intermediate term is still way down here, 30 points lower than the close for the week. So still very bullish. Everything else still very bullish. Um, I would not take the action today to be anything significant unless this was a nine on the weekly. I want to make sure that on the other big indexes, we have similar action. We're on a seven uh, intermediate long term stop and reverse looks fine on the NASDAQ 100. We're on a green five. Same, 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 same. And on the composite, also a green five. We do have a sequential 13 this week to the downside. But other than that, it looks like a pause to refresh before going higher on the longer time frames. Um, Anything you want to look at? Nope. Uh, I do just, uh, I've been kind of keeping my eye on that 3000 level for the S&P. I, I really wanted to see that uh, find support uh, at the 3000 level uh, as it had looked like we had just broken through that level. Um, yeah. If we did find support there and go ahead and throw on the daily actually. Um, so I think there's a trend line that kind of was right around there. Um, yeah, kind of see a trend line there connecting those higher lows that it looks like we fell down below that. Um, so I, I was really interested in actually buying if we were able to stay above 3000. I, I thought that that would be just an ideal little um, short little dip that would um, be a great opportunity to buy and it would have retested prior horizontal. It would have also went down to the trend line and it also would have went down to uh, the, the medium term moving average um, and the higher time frames weren't that overbought. So I, I was really hoping that we found support at 3000. If we did, I was probably going to buy. And now I'm kind of worried. We not only broke down 3000, we broke down the trend line. We're below the medium term moving average. The short now made a cross with it. And we also broke the parabolic SAR. Those are all things that I didn't want to happen. Um, so uh, again, I am not adjusting anything. We're getting very, very close to, to wiping me out of my position. I, I did take a little profit and move my stop to break even. Um, so if we do take out that low, 
Um, I'll almost certainly be out of my position, which um, I'm glad that I'm in a position where I don't have to really be worried. If I hadn't taken any profit and I'm looking at this chart right now and we're back at my entry point, I'd be worried. I'd be um, really kind of wondering if uh, I need to be getting out. Uh, so um, I'm glad that that didn't happen. And that is a very interesting trend line. I don't think I'd seen that one. The one I was looking at um, connected that next higher low that was yeah. the, yeah, that one there. Right. Um, so yeah, that's interesting to see that perhaps even though all those things did break, maybe this last little trend line will be what holds it. And it looks like that's kind of parallel to how the tops are forming. So that makes me think that your trend line is probably a better one than mine. Uh, so I like it. Uh, good, good input there. Um, so basically, um, yeah, I am a little bit nervous. Um, Not feeling too worried though. Yeah, but but uh, since I really only trade these on the weekly basis, uh, the daily is of some concern. But uh, I like what I'm seeing on the weekly still. I'm just uh, we, talked, we talked about all of these yesterday: uh, the aggressive and the sequential and the combo, yep. uh, one right after another. And uh, we're almost at a 13 on this uh, countdown also. Uh, we probably would have hit it. I think we well, did when we got that sequential. The S13 came after that 12. I think we've done all yeah. of them. I, I, as far as I know, there's only three, a combo, an aggressive, and a sequential. So that's uh, every one is, has hit uh, as far as I can see. And... Yeah. What does concern me about this weekly chart is um, that engulfing candle. Uh, a weekly engulfing candle is a important signal to me. Um, and that is um, one that Thomas Bulkowski says leads to more downside 70% of the time. Uh, and I am inclined to agree in my experience. So that is uh, definitely not, not, not looking great on the, the weekly or the daily. Uh, that last trend line that you drew, that thing's, that thing's need, needs to hold it for me. Yeah, yeah, uh, very good. Okay, well, everybody have a um, great weekend. Socrates, have a good weekend. Sounds like you got a fun night tonight. And uh, with that, I will say goodbye. All right. Uh, yeah, I am just typing out a response to Tone. He's been uh, in our chat. He popped in a, a little late. We would have loved to have him on if uh, it wasn't already running so far uh, over time here. So we'll, we'll definitely have to get him on soon to take a look at, at some charts with us. And uh, yep, uh, I...
definitely am excited about what's going on in crypto. That's given us plenty to pay attention to and to talk about. And now the S&P has given us um, maybe even more to, to be trying to wrap our heads around. So we will have plenty to talk about over the upcoming weeks. Um, in about two weeks, we're planning on starting our new schedule where we'll have a, a unique show um, on every day. And uh, you will know that on a certain day, for example, we'll do a question and answer show where all that we're doing is answering questions and at the end doing a quick analysis. Um, and then you will know that on that day you can come and, and bring your questions. There have been a, a number of great questions that we haven't been able to get to because we go for an hour and a half just uh, blabbering on about what's right in front of us. Um, and then on uh, next Friday, a week from today, we will be doing a Consensio webinar, which in my opinion is the most important uh, tool that Tyler has to teach. It's absolutely the most valuable webinar that I have ever attended as a student was the first Consensio webinar that he put on. It was very uh, inspirational to me, completely changed how I trade um, to the point where now I've got some of my own uh, unique um, perspectives and uh, some tweaks that I have made, um, which I've found um, make it more conducive for shorter and medium term kind of um, position and swing trades. And Tyler's, uh, how he uses it is to invest um, in long term moves and to get fully out before the major reversals happen. And he's done that time and time again uh, throughout the last 40 years in many different markets. Um, on many different occasions, um, all using just the, these three uh, simple moving averages. And we're going to uh, be going over that on an intermediate and advanced basis. Uh, so anybody that wants to attend that maybe doesn't uh, feel like they're up to speed for an intermediate to advanced level course, um, go onto YouTube right now and search for Deep Dive into Consensio. Uh, that's a free video that's out there and it covers all of the subconditions, all of the things that you would need to know in order to um, be up to speed for the webinar that we have coming up. Um, and then the webinar that I mentioned was the most valuable that I took. Um, that was done maybe uh, six months ago or more. Um, I'm not really sure, but it is still available online for the same price, uh, 150 bucks, I believe, that uh, you could go back and purchase that and then you would really be ready to go um, and, and um, much more caught up to speed than if you had just caught in that uh, original video that's out there on YouTube. So hope to see everybody there. Thank you all for sticking around and listen to us blabber on and, and talk about our uh, different services. Uh, so I hope that everybody has a great weekend. I know that I will be and I will look up, uh, look forward to taking tomorrow off and catching up with you on Sunday. Great. Very good. Thanks for all the kind words and have a great weekend. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you Sunday night for the close of Bitcoin. Sounds great. Bye-bye.